0: This is one of your bring-your-own-pulpits kind of places. <laughs> I, uh, I do want to begin this morning with a little bit of, little bit of an announcement, almost really, more of, more, um, I guess, confession, kind of, to make, uh, talk with some elders about it. They seem to think a statement from the pulpit makes sense. Um, accusations were made against me, and I wanted to publicly sort of horse's mouth kind of address. Uh, it's true. We did get a fake Christmas tree. Um, I don't know what happened. You know, you wake up one day and you're like, "Who am I?" Uh, it's it's this is this who I am? A fake Christmas tree kind of person, and uh, it's it's embarrassing, and I hate it. It sits over there with its plastic little beady eyes staring at me. Um, but it's my fault. See, here's what happened. Here's what happened. We uh, I'm a big fan of the of the real Christmas tree. I've always told my kids, you get a fake Christmas tree. You get fake Christmas presents. It's just how it goes." Um, and, uh, I've, I've held my word to that until, until this year. Um, the reason we end up with a fake Christmas tree is because I, I misprioritized. I made some time management, some really, it was over expecting my own skills. I thought, well, I could get more done than I could. And then push came to shove. We didn't have the time. Logistics didn't work out to get the real Christmas tree. So we just put up the fake one. And the problem there, you know, being too busy really came from the lie where I believed in my own strength was greater than it was; that I could accomplish more than I could. Now, had I approached that lie intentionally and with some truth about my own my own capacity, then I could have solved that problem. That little formula, that little reverse engineering, is actually something that we all do um, intuitively to some degree. Some of us are better than others, but what happens is if you if you really aggressive about reverse engineering problems in your life you can come back to the lie from which a lot of these problems grow out of right you can you can understand there's this problem in my life this problem exists I've allowed opportunity for this because I believed this lie which means the next steps we take are to import truth to defeat that lie to to believe instead of believing in the lie so for instance you could reverse engineer some of your anger and say, really, this anger grew out of my, uh, the, the lie that I believed. The lie that I believed was that I deserve all my preferences. I deserve that things go the way I want them to. Well, they didn't, so I'm allowed to be angry. Right? You can, you can apply this to anxiety. Oftentimes, we grow anxious because we're not really truly uh, really fully trusting that there's somebody here who has a plan. Anxiety oftentimes is rooted in the fear that what's going to happen is is unchangeable and it's just chaotic, it's going to spin out of control, and I'm going to be the victim of that. You can look at your stress. You look at your stress and, and sort of engineer backwards, reverse engineer from, well, the reason you grew stressed is oftentimes because you thought you should or that you could control more than you really can. Maybe you're growing annoyed with this part of the sermon because you thought your problems were a little more special than everybody else's. But they're not. We all have these lies that we allow to root down and out of those grow significant problems. Over time, those problems actually will become patterns. And now pretty soon it's not just I'm I have a fake Christmas tree. I turn into the kind of person that loves fake Christmas trees. Nobody wants that. right? But we allow this lie to root in. And and so that selfishness, that pride, that bitterness, that doubt, fear, those things root down. And then not only are they just making one problem or another, they become part of your entire life. when we take time to reverse engineer back to the lies we be, we've been we've allowed ourselves to believe then really it comes down to do we want to address this or not this morning uh, i want to ex- i want to talk about freedom freedom is truth experienced that's how I want to sort of define it. I want to wrap our minds around that. In, in, in other words, you can experience more freedom by accepting more truth. So in our own lives, as you look at some of these things that you struggle with, that you wrestle with, that hit you again and again, that you feel even trapped by, you say, I want to be free from this. I want to be free from this. So it's not just if this lie has trapped me in this thing, how do I cope with it? If this lie that I've been believing has has committed me to this pattern in life, how do I how do I deal with the consequences and just kind of hedge my bets? No, no, no. How do we become free from these things? How do we move forward in a place where freedom is not just um, an ideal, but rather no, it's I'm continuing to grow in freedom. I'm becoming more and more free. That's what I want for you. That's what I want for myself. I don't want't want to become someone who's allowed fear to drive them, who's allowed doubt to overtake them, who's allowed selfishness to become such a big part of their heart that we just work around it, and hopefully the consequences don't get too bad. We'll kind of bail water out of the ship when we need to. No. no, no. That's no way to live. That's, that's a life of, of slavery. So the goal here this morning is that we find the truth, right? It's it's that we're able to recognize lies that we've even begun to preach to ourselves, that we've allowed other people maybe to tell us, or maybe you just were told once and you said, that's it, that's true, that's who I am, that's what I'm worth, and you've just allowed that to be there. So the goal here is to understand what's the truth, where we've been believing lies, and be able to walk out of that. And it's not just a one-time thing. This is something that we're going to continually do for the rest of our lives. Gaining more and more freedom. Now, I want to show you where I, I got this idea. It's out of John 8. If you'd like to open your Bibles and meet me there. If you don't have a Bible, feel free to take the one that's in front of you in the chair. Um, we provide those for free. We're studying out of these passages in um, this series of, of the carols of Christ. And there's a concept where we know these songs. Uh, Lindsay, thank you for singing. She she led us through O Holy Night, and most of us have probably heard that song before. And most of us could probably tell each other the lyrics even, but when you begin to start to meditate a little bit on what those mean and where they come from in Scripture, you realize, wow, there's actually, there's some really life-changing things in here, what's being described in here. And so the hope here this Christmas season is as we think a little deeper on the scriptures and the theology that inspired these carols, that those become a part of uh, what we get to carry around. Next time you sing O Holy Night, I hope that some of what we've learned here this morning is imported into that and you get to continue to be challenged and continue to be refreshed. So John 8, 31 through 38. Before we jump into this passage, will you, will you pray with me? Father, we, um, we need you this morning. We need you to help us understand your word. Um, as it, Jesus says in this very passage that we would, he asks us to abide in his word, that, that we remain in his word, that um, opening up your scriptures, we would be able to understand more of who you are. Not just a command, not just a rule, not nah, Lord, but to understand your heart. Help us fall more in love with you this morning. For those of us in this room that are just questioning, just curious, maybe even doubting, Lord, I'm going to ask that you, uh, you provide encouragement. Lord, for those of us who are argumentative and defensive about our sin and our, or, or our progress, that you would, you would help us to be humble. Lord, for the hopeless, that you would... Provide that beacon of light, and for the weary, Lord, that you provide strength. Illuminate this text to His Father, and um, we ask all this in Christ's name, in the power of the Spirit, amen. John 8, starting at verse 31, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you truly are my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? And Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you're Abraham's descendants, yet you are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. I'm telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence, and you are doing what you have heard from your Father. We're jumping into the middle of a conversation with this passage. It really it's more of that. Jesus is speaking. There's a crowd, and he's sort of like getting this blowback. There's people arguing. Yeah, well, what about this? Oh, yeah, well, what about that? And, and he's shooting questions back. And So we're, we're, we're just taking a little snippet of the middle of that. And just in the middle of this, he makes this claim, right? Verse 31 and 32, he says, If you abide in my word, you truly are my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. This is a pretty big claim. It's a pretty big claim for a couple reasons. One, on the front end, there's a little bit of a a litmus test there. What is a disciple? What is someone who truly believes? Well, it's someone who abides in his word. He says that's the mark. That's the mark of someone who, who truly follows. That's the disciple. And they'll know the truth. And as they know the truth, they will be set free. This is pretty fascinating to me because I think a lot of times we don't necessarily think of ourselves as enslaved or, or, or trapped. Or, but then we use those terms, right? You, you, get so, you, you get so busy and somebody says, hey, can you come? You're like, oh, I, I just can't get away. Like, oh, I'd, I'd love to, you know, I just need, I need a nap. I just, I, I'm exhausted. I am overwhelmed. Well, yeah, it sounds pretty, sounds pretty tied up to me. You know, I, I wish I could do that. I really wish I could, but I just, uh... and then even good people asking us to do good things and we want to, we start to kind of feel negative because it's like, oh, I, I don't have anything to give. I am maxed out. I, I can't, I can't handle that. Jesus paints a different picture. He says the person who abides, that's the true disciple. And the true disciple, as they abide, they gain more and more freedom. The truth sets them free. Freedom is is truth that you experience. It's truth spoken into a lie. And you're freed from that lie. And so you can reverse engineer to say, how do I want to experience freedom? I really want to. How do I get there? And he says, well, it comes from this truth. And you know that truth. And the reason you know that truth is because you're abiding with me. You're, you're remaining with me. And you get there because you trust me. You follow me. The uh, a term you probably heard around here is Jesus abider. This is one of the five traits of the disciple that we teach here at Westmark that the Jesus abider is someone who balances their life by treasuring Christ most. This concept that if I, I do want to abide, I want to continue, I want to remain, even some of your translations there for that, for that word in 31 might say uh, that you, if you continue on in my teaching, if you remain with me. The, the literal translation, which I much preferred there, is, is if you abide in my word my word, if you abide, if you continue on, if you stay with, if you're connected to, you don't move off of this, of me, of who I am. The Jesus abider, as they center on Jesus, as they balance everything out, it's, it's from there they're going to find their value, their identity, their worth, their rest, joy, Oftentimes, things get out of balance in life because we say, I, I get this Jesus thing, and, and you're right, I believe that, but you know it would be extra comforting right now? I'm going to actually balance my life not on this center point of Jesus, I'm going to balance it maybe on drawing comfort from this person. And suddenly you have a weird Dependency. I'm going to draw my comfort, I'm going to draw my joy, or, or really I'm going to be able to relieve my problems by centering my life on this escapism. Maybe it looks like a bottle. Maybe it looks like a, a sexual addiction. Maybe it looks like work. Because if I just get a little bit bigger of a paycheck, I'd be able to do this. And that would allow me to get more money. And then if I have more money, what would really happen is I'd be able to get more money. And I'll balance my life on this hinge point and then I'm out of balance. One of the things I remember working, I I used to work at a a mine and a chemical processing plant out in Wyoming. And they had a part of that process plant. We had pumps just everywhere. They were pumping all sorts of things. We pumped acid. We pumped all sorts of liquid. We would do solution mining, which is where you pump this ridiculously hot uh, um, caustic liquid into a, uh, into a cavity in the ground, and it would basically melt all the rock. And then you'd pump that back up, and you would dry it. So you had these pumps and moving massive amounts of material. And what's interesting is working with some of these guys and their mecha- some of these mechanics, and all they did was work on pumps. It's amazing how that pump needs to be balanced. And it, I mean, perfectly balanced in order to operate well. As things grow out of balance, it actually tears itself apart. Maybe you've experienced that. An imbalanced life, self-destructing. The Jesus abider looks to Christ remains with Christ and pulls from Christ the things they need. They don't grow imbalanced looking for those things elsewhere. Jesus says, if you're my follower, that's what your life looks like. Not just like a pick-me-up, right? Not just the once-a-week thing, not just a concept of, well, I like this church better because their music makes me feel a certain way. Well, I I like that the most because... It just—it's nice. It's what I'm used to. Well, I like that speaker better because because he's funny and good-looking. Like a lot of you, you know, and that's why you're here. And I get it. We—we we, if we settle our, our our term of abiding with uh, comfort, which is so easy to do. Like if we define my relationship with Jesus is me going where I'm most comfortable. I don't just mean church. I mean, in all of these relationships, I'm going to avoid that person because that's uncomfortable. I'm going to avoid that call on my life to be obedient because that's uncomfortable. We're going to end up really imbalanced. And then we're going to be like, why? Why, is, why does everything fall apart? The Jesus abider. For the Christian, honestly, this makes a lot of sense. Because if you know Jesus, you're like, yeah, I know that he desires my good. And that he has good things for me. And that truth really is pretty accessible to a Christian. If you're not a Christian, if you're wrestling with the faith, or you're, you're just guessing at some of this stuff, or even if you're like pretty skeptical, that can sound almost like a manipulative thing, right? Like if you abide in my word, if you follow my commands, you're in my club. And if you don't. But really what he talks about his word, it's, there's a deep, rich meaning in that. That he's not just saying, look, I wrote these rule books that you need to follow. He says, I'm inviting you into a life with me. And if you remain walking with me, continuing with me, you're going to experience not just freedom, but increasing freedom. Step by step by step. Deeper, richer, there's a, there's a story, those old story about a guy who gets stuck in a ditch. He's walking along a pretty narrow road and he, and he slips off and he's stuck in this really sheer ditch. He's trying to call it. It's muddy. He can't get out. And, then, and, and a priest walks by and he's like, help me, help me. You know. And the priest throws a prayer in there. God help that guy out. Thanks. He's waiting, waiting. Help me, help me. Another, another, another person walks by. It's a, it's a self-help guru. Guy signs an, uh, his book, throws it down to him, you know. Help me, help me. Another person walks by. It's, it's a blogger who's like, I'm going to tag you in this Facebook post. It's going to be really inspirational for you, and that's what you need. Eventually, f- he sees his friend coming from the ditch. He's help me, help me. And his friend jumps down into the ditch with him. He's like, what are you doing? <laughs> and he's like, I need help. He's like, yeah, I've but I can lead you out of here. The real help you need is not just someone to do something for you. You need someone to lead you out of this mess. The Christian Christmas message is not just there's a baby. The Christmas Christian message is that God himself has stepped down into our mess to lead us out. And he says, abide, follow, stay with me. We like one one-step things. You press the button and it's done. Amazon instant order that but God is walking you through steps, through transitions, through more and more freedom. And he says, But you gotta stay with me. You have to abide with me. And that's kind of honestly where it starts to hurt. The idea of freedom sounds nice. It sounds like it's really great. Yeah, freedom, as Ricardo said, freedom, right? Yeah. But what if the freedom you need, the healing you need, God has to set the bone first? Hmm? You see, I want to draw closer to God. That's probably going to require him taking some things away that are in between you and him. I want more hope. I wonder if that's going to be God removing the things that you're placing hope in. I wish I had more joy. What if God makes it impossible to put joy into other things? To try to find your joy in these places that have been dry wells? I want to be healthier. I want to be, I want to feel more vibrant with this more abundant life. There's this person in my life and I want to be like them and they're just so close to God. They're just, they get, I want that life. What if that means he needs to come in and prune off big dead sections? Freedom is good, but it doesn't mean the path is easy. And so I stand up here and I say things like, hey, if you, you have this problem and if you, if you isolate down to the lie you're believing, you should be able to find a path forward. And that's true. And honestly, it's simple, but it doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean the answer is complex. It's very simple to say, let's climb Mount Everest. The execution, eh. Sometimes simple answers are very hard to live out. And to abide is where he brings you into these things. And he says, treasure me most, and watch what happens. Treasure him most, and you'll experience greater freedom. Uh, In our our passage there, he sort of gets this this argument back, right? The crowd is like, well, I don't know about that. Ah." And you might be feeling that defensive kind of thing. I'm sitting up here being like, you have a bunch of problems. you're like... It's not that bad. Like, I'm like I'm okay. I'm fine. You ever get that? I'm fine. Hey, honey, how was your day? Fine. Oof. I've never had that. Love you. <laughs> but I've heard about it. I've read about it. And then think about it. Like, when I say you are enslaved, and be honest, like initially you're like, I don't feel like that enslaved. Like, I don't feel all that trapped down. That's, listen to these, these guys here. They answered him, "We are Abraham's descendants, and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Like we're we're doing okay. I have my ways to deal with my things. I have this, and it helps me feel less guilty. I have this, and it's kind of I'm seeing some improvement in my life because of that. I'm taking these twelve steps. I'm doing this thing, and like I'm seeing these little these little growths. I don't feel enslaved necessarily." I just—I don't think that's true. Like, I think that's a lie. Just—just just follow me here for a second. I think we lie to ourselves about that. Because I'll be honest. When I read this the first time, like as I was studying for this, I kind of felt like that. I was like, "Yeah, those guys are messed up." And then I was like, "Oh wait. Oh no." See, he says the—the the truth. Such a. Re- The truth doesn't set you free. Listen listen closely on this, church. The truth does not set you free. It's the truth that you know that sets you free. These guys have been living near the truth. They had their life set up. We're descendants of Abraham. We have this history. They're around people who know the truth. They have touched the truth. But that's not what he says. He says, the truth that you know will set you free. And a lot of us live lives, and we get defensive about it, where we just bump up against the truth. And we're like, yeah, no, I know it. Like, I go to church. Yeah, no, like, I was confirmed. Like, I was baptized. Like, I give occasionally. Like, I, not too much. <laughs> you know, but, you know, I'm... I... It says that's not enough. That's not what I'm talking about. To just say you have some background of something is not saying I've accepted, I'm following this truth. I'm, I know who Jesus is, like he's a part of my life. Those are different animals. In America, we've done a great job of marketing certain things. Right? Most people, after interacting with the church for like five minutes, can quote John 3.16. Right? But how many people are like, moved by John 3.16, or moved by John 3.17, that when he showed up, he wasn't coming here to condemn me, but actually he desires to know me and rescue me. What's the response to that? I want to know him. I want to abide with him. some of us have lived that defensive line but I just don't I don't think it's true I think I think if you're honest with yourself you're not like no I'm winning like I'm doing great I think what you've done is you've figured out how to cope with your losses and those are different to say no my life is figured out like I've got this I'm doing fine is different than saying I do have regrets. I have made mistakes. That relationship did fall apart. I do look back and wish I would have done things significantly different. And I have this, this brokenness and these things that I carry. But, but I figured out how to live with them. you get the difference here? Winning and coping are different. Being whole and coping with brokenness are different. And what we're invited into is to say, hey, Jesus is like, I can help you here. Like instead of coping with that, instead of just working around it, instead of sidestepping it, the truth can be yours and it can set you free. And you're like, yeah, I want to be free. Freedom is experiencing truth. Well, I can experience more freedom when I accept more truth. That's the invitation. I, um, I was pretty, pretty hurt by this one. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. It's like you, just because you're coping a little better than other people, eh, doesn't mean a whole lot, right? The invitation for healing and growth and movement forward is for everybody. So as a non-Christian, you might be sitting there being like, I don't don't really know if I want to just give up every problem over right now and expect a, a one-swipe one, one solution here. That's okay. That's not, what he's, that's not what he's asking. He's asking you to abide. And that's why he says, when you know the truth, it will set you free. It's, it's a continual thing. For Christians, sometimes we, we throw it into neutral because we're like, all right, I got my fire insurance. I'm so good. But the, the joy here is that he's going to continue to peel back layers when you sit down, oftentimes, with mature Christians, and, and you develop, I sit in a lot of meetings, and, I, and you hear different people's hearts. This church is a praying church, Now I praise God for that. And in these prayers, I can hear people's hearts come out, and it's interesting because I hear them praying about things, a mature Christian, they pray about things that they never would have prayed about like 10 years ago, 20 years ago. What's happening is the Lord is peeling back layers Right? People are like convicted about sin where they're just like, oh man, I kind of said something and I just had, a, I had this thought in the back of my head and I, I shouldn't have felt that. Right? And you're like, ooh, yeah, uh, I'm way over here. I'm like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have screamed that loud. Um, maybe, maybe my heart's a little bad because I'm so angry. And you're like, you get around some of these people who are so sensitive to the Lord so, and they're abiding with Jesus that his heart, they know it. And they've been moved by that. Like, I want to get here. Well, it's, it's a lot of steps. It's a lot of abiding. It's a lot of, I've coped with this anger issue for a long time. So rather than just continue to cope and set up more boundaries, I, I want to fix this. I want to grow more like him. And so we need to stop kind of telling ourselves a lie that it's, it's just a little sin. Like, no, no, no. We believe those lies. We're signing up for slavery. I... Uh, about a year ago or so, I heard, there's a conversation that was happening, and I overheard my wife, Caitlin, she's talking to one of our boys, um, and I wrote it down, because I was like, I got to save this, that my boy said, uh, I wish I could stay a kid forever, which is like a, thing. it's a pretty normal thing a kid says, and um, Caitlin's like, oh, really, why is that? He said, because it's easier for kids to go to heaven. When adults grow up, they just think they can do everything themselves. If like, if it's that obvious to a kid that we're just, we're just trying to do it all ourselves, we've got to stop lying to ourselves. Well, I just need better habits. Well, if I could just get one more person in my life, that would be a positive influence. Well, I just need one more positivity conference. I need one more supplement. I need, I need one more little thing to put on top. I need, you need Jesus. You need Jesus, you need to understand that it's, it's by grace that he's offering you freedom from these things. Things that you're scared to talk about. He's offering you freedom. That's the friend who leads you out of the ditch. He walks with you. Uh, Christmas, it's, it's this message of hope. It's this message of this new life and this freedom. It's, it's Jesus coming down into our mess to lead us out of it. And it, in, the, in, the, in O Holy Night, it puts it this, this lyric, it says, long lie the world in sin and error, pining. How long have we, have we sat there just, I wish I could get freedom from this. I wish this wasn't a part of what I do or who I am or what I struggle with. Longing for freedom. So do yourself a favor and just admit that there's an issue. That there's lies underneath there somewhere that are coming out in these ways that you need help. Because the Christmas message is that there's, there's help. There's a rescuer. Be humble. The chorus, fall on your knees. Just uh, take just a, a, a separate comment. Let me just think about what, what would make you what would cause you to actually buckle at the knees? You think about that. Like that's a pretty, for, you to, for you to fall on your knees, Like that's a moment of helplessness, right? I mean, you, you would have to be absolutely overwhelmed at what you just heard, at what you just saw, at what you just experienced. You would have to be so overwhelmed to truly fall down because you're giving up. We're all, honestly, we're all like one phone call away from getting wrecked. You ever think of that? It just takes one everyday commonplace tragedy to completely buckle any one of us at the knees. But here's, here's a slightly different question. What sort of good news would cause you to fall on your knees? What sort of good news would you need to hear that would overwhelm you so much that you would, that you would say, I'm, I'm helpless to do anything other than that. I'm helpless to try. I, I'm so overwhelmed with the kindness and the goodness and the love that's happening here that I, that's, I, this is all I have. I know the answer. The answer is the kind of good news that Jesus presents here. He accuses these people, actually in verse 37, of not having it. He says, in the NIV translation, it says that your word, my word has no place in your heart. That, that verb is, a, it's a tricky one, Corey, oh, it, it means I, to, to make further, pro, to break through, right? You think of, of going out to cattle tanks in the morning, thick ice. You sit there and you just beat on it. It's, it's not going through. The truth is not breaking through. The, the, this, he's saying, I, I'm exp- explaining freedom to you, and it's just bouncing off. It's not, it's not cr- cracking. But when it does, when it breaks through, fall on your knees. Because there's nothing better. There's no greater thought, there's no greater love, there's no greater understanding than him coming in and saying, the worst things that you've ever believed about yourself, I can rescue you from. The worst things that have ever been true about you, I can rescue you from. The carol puts it this way. We were stuck there till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. And to understand that God sees you as worth it. That's a truth that can set you free. Some of us, that's the simple truth that we've been wrestling with for our whole lives. That I'm not worth it. And I need to do this and that and the other to know I am. The Christmas message is that the soul has worth. Freedom is truth experienced So you're sitting there going I, I do want to experience freedom. I do want to, I do want to disconnect from this this wrestling this this thing I'm just continues to hold me down. I want freedom and he says truth abide with me and I'll walk you out of this ditch. I'll provide healing. If you want more freedom, you need more truth. Now I want, I'm going to give you real, just real fast here at the end. I'm going to give this two very practical applications for you. Later this afternoon, you're, if you're going to receive an email, if I have your email, if I don't fill out a contact card, thank you. You receive an email and it's going to have a, a short reading plan. It's an advent reading plan, seven days, five minutes. It's very, Very simple. And for some of us, that might be the first time that we're going to be consistently in the word. For some of us, it might be the first time that we're consistently in the word with a humble heart. So I invite you to do this. If you have a good reading plan and you're you're into it, that's fine. But this might be the first time you abide in his word. So if you don't believe me, that's fine. Believe him. Try it out. Abide in his word and see if freedom doesn't come. Second thing I'd like to do might be more practical than you'd like. Um, I'm going to invite you to pray with me on your knees. We're going to kneel, and you might say, I'm not physically able to do that. That's fine. You might also say, my heart's not really there. I'm not humble to pray this way. It's okay. You know where to work. But we're going to kneel together, and we're going to pray and ask God to help us experience more freedom. Father God, in your word this morning we read that the slave has no place in the home, but the son endures there forever. That belonging to the family of God is a permanent, freeing identity. God, I just ask for humble hearts right now, that as we think about all the, the lies we've believed, that you would help us to recognize what your word says. Your word tells us who you are, not mean, vindictive, cold, not distant. Your word tells us who we are, not worthless, not empty, not without purpose. Father, as we kneel here, as we fall on our knees, I ask that you overwhelm us that you help us to understand the depth of your love in a way that we've never seen it before. That the Christmas message of Jesus coming down into our brokenness in order to lead us out is enough of a a call and an encouragement and a conviction that we say, I want to abide. Lord, help us to abide. Cause our hearts to treasure you most. Lord, we, we trust you with the consequences of that as that may end relationships, as that may change the position of our life, that may change the direction of our plans. Lord, we just trust you with the consequences because we know that you're a good God. Lord, work in our hearts. Create a new love for you, a rich hope, as as the lyrics say, as the lyrics say that we would be able to have a thrill delivered into the into this hope, Lord, that our, that our weary souls, our weary hearts would be uplifted. God, we, we trust you. Give us the courage to ask for help. I pray this in Jesus' name, in the power of the Holy Spirit, amen.